Joining us today from somewhere near Harlem, Minnesota, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. It's uh, another beautiful day out there, so I hope everybody will get a, a chance to enjoy it and hope you had a good time at the fair. I did, Al. You know, we were real busy at the fair. The boys showed calves, we showed cats, they showed other things, and Jeff and I showed flowers and photography, and between the two of us alone, we got 45-some ribbons. What are we going to do with them? Make a quilt? Holy mackerel! You're 45 ahead of me now. So. Well, there we go. But it's yeah, it was it was a great time. It was great weather, and you know, I know you're coming up at some fairs. In fact, probably this week, will you be at the Steel County Fair, or is that next week? Uh, I think that's next week. I oh. was at the Freeborn County Fair all of last uh, week, and I appreciate everybody that stopped by. I had a number of listeners, and and uh, also I was at the Hormel Nature Center yesterday, and I'd like to thank everybody there in Austin that came out. And, and I uh, led a field trip. We filled up uh, some of those little, uh, I don't know what you call them, little electric trucks that you drive around. I got to drive one of those around the prairie, and we stopped and looked at all kinds of prairie flowers, which were just beautiful now. So it was a, a lot of fun, a beautiful day, and not too hot. And uh, man, we saw insects and birds and flowers. Oh my, it was a great time. And the Freeborn County Fair was great fun too. Uh, it just seems odd without uh, chickens and ducks and geese. And, and quieter sort of too, thing. no uh, roosters crowing. That's right. And I'm going to be at the uh, Steel County Fair on, it's a Sunday the 23rd, I believe, of, of August. Okay, we'll, we'll, there, we'll so. probably try to stop by maybe and see if we go get through there as well, because it's always fun to see you, and you're usually there by the the uh, monarch butterfly larva and uh, hatching, I guess, larva and talking to folks about birds. Yeah, it's sort of the worm corner. They put all us guys. <laughs> kind of guys like that over there in the corner. Uh, on August 15th, too, if anybody's around, uh, Henderson, we're having the Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah, and it's my pleasure to be part of that, too. So, so yeah, before I, you go, I, I wanted to share an observation with you from John and New Ulm before I forget sure. here. He said that uh, he wants me to tell you that last week, Tuesday at his dad's place in Andover, he saw a coyote, he thinks, but he's not for sure. So he said he wished he would have tried to take a picture. So he's wondered if that's a possibility or was he just, I guess, hallucinating? I don't, uh, I can't speak to his hallucinations. But well, I made uh, that part up. Very, <laughs> okay. It's very possible that he did see one. They're certainly out there. And uh, I see them. I see them on the roads on occasion because they're trying to drag uh, a roadkill stuff off the road, so we certainly do see them. Uh, the, uh, there's a lot more of them out there than we see, of course. They're very good at uh, being unseen. Uh, are, are they a threat I, to any of our pets or farm animals, coyotes, or generally not? I would say generally not, but then, you know, I, I tell everybody, people call me all the time, say I have a little dog. I just, I worry about him with eagles and owls and coyotes, and I put him out in uh, the yard. Well, you know, if you worry about them, uh, go with them or put them out there, the areas where you you know they're not going to be hurt. Uh, the one thing that coyotes would uh, would do in 
It would be cats. I think oh. they're pretty hard on feral cats. Okay. So cats that are out at night uh, are probably at some risk from coyotes. I am seeing Carolina grasshoppers, which is not a Neil Diamond song or anything. <laughs> they they fly. They're big guys, uh, large and sort of gray-brown in color, although they have somewhat of ability, not chameleon-like, but they can change colors to their habitat, their environment. Mm. And when they fly, they have banded wings that fly, that so remind me of morning cloak butterflies. Uh, here I tend to see them in sandy soils or roadsides and other disturbed areas, and I begin seeing the males hovering in the air, and they crepitate in late July and August. That's shocking, huh? Right out there in front of everyone. But to crepitate is to make loud clicking sounds, and this attracts females. And these road dusters are chased often by grand by children. I know my grandchildren have chased them till the point of exhaustion because they're seldom caught without a net. I've seen cicada killers. Uh, we hear the droning of cicadas. That's a familiar sound during the hot weather. We have the dog bear, annual cicadas, and prairie cicadas here. One predator of the cicadas is the cicada killer. Mm. It's a wasp. It's black and yellow. The females can be up to two inches long, males half that. And they look intimidating. They're not aggressive. The male wasps and also male bees don't have stingers. The females can sting, but they have little inclination to do so because they sting cicadas. And they carry the paralyzed victims to a burrow excavated in sandy soils. They lay an egg on the cicada in the nest chamber. A female egg gets a second or third cicada because the female larva is larger than the male and needs more food. The chamber is sealed and the process repeated. The egg hatches and the larva consumes cicada meals, spins a cocoon and overwinters underground. It emerges from the ground in July or August. The adult wasps feed on flower nectar and plant sap. They mate, lay eggs, live two to six weeks. I want to thank uh, Nate Wallen. Uh, Nate is a student at uh, Winona State University and just a good guy. And uh, Gail and I give some binoculars away every so often. We gave Nate one, and he uh, just said... Uh, thanked us again because he's making use of the binoculars. So that was great. Oh, to nice. Hear. Dale Peterson of Albert Lee said, how can I keep barn swallows from nesting on my house? If you can block the area where they're nesting, Dale, or you can even put some of the plastic cling wrap on the wall where they're building the nest, that'll make it so the nest will not stick on there, the mud will not stick, and it's not unattractive then. People probably won't notice it. Uh, Tom Bell, oh, I've known Tom forever and a day, he said uh, he and his wife Elizabeth counted 90 chimney swifts entering a chimney on Ultiman Middle School, and that's uh, up there in St. Paul Park. Is that why they call them uh, chimney Richard. swifts, because they actually go in chimneys? I didn't realize birds did that. They do, well, yeah. What are they doing Building there? I mean, Right uh, on the side of chimneys. So but but what are they doing there? Do they build nests? I mean, when, when people start their fireplaces up, I'm sure that's not a good place to be and we hope they're all out of there oh okay so yeah uh richard Steele, who lives down by the little oh i don't know how to describe mansfield it's like bath
staff by me. It used to be a town, but not so much anymore. I think Richard's address is probably Alden now. He showed me a photo of a white barn swallow that he had taken. Uh, Del Boykin of uh, Albert Lee, Pickerel Lake Township is where he's seeing these. Sandhill Cranes with a colt. Uh, Gus Courier of Emmons said he saw a hen turkey the other day in August here with just really small poults. It, it's probably a re-nesting, Gus. Uh, you know, turkeys will have a clutch size of 4 to 17 eggs, but they just have one brood, and they incubate them 25 to 31 days, somewhere in there. And if the first nest is destroyed, some hens will attempt a second nest. Hens that uh, have to re-nest lay fewer eggs. A uh, lovely woman said she saw this just into Iowa. She saw a Canada goose nesting in a tree. And she said she hadn't told anybody but me because she thought <laughs> they would all think she was nuts. And she knew that I was nuts, too, so we kind of bonded there. You know, the typical Canada goose nesting site is within 50 yards of water. It, uh, it's on high enough ground to give the nesting goose a clear view of the surroundings. They like, I see them on muskrat mounds, houses a lot. And the nest is often a large open cup made of dry grasses and lichens and mosses and lined with down and some body feathers. But occasionally geese will inhabit above-ground structures such as abandoned heron rookery nests, osprey nests, or human-made tree platforms. So it does happen on occasion. Uh, Bryce Gaudian of Hayward showed me some photos of sandhill cranes, common yellow-throat, uh, goldfinches on thistle, and a female red-winged blackbird, which are just exquisite birds. Uh, Doc, or Tom, and Doc Kiner of Janesville said, uh, oh, Cooper's hawk is driving them crazy in their yard, and I, uh, yeah, I just, uh, there's nothing I can say to do, I guess. Uh, Peggy Swenson, uh, Peggy lives uh, rural Albert Lee, said, hi, Al, we've lived here on bluegrass for almost 40 years. And we have never had the sheer numbers of birds we have had this summer. No unusual species, just tons of the regular adults and immatures. What prompted me to write today is watching an immature indigo bunting try to figure out the bird feeder. Last night, an immature hummingbird faced the same dilemma regarding the nectar feeder. And the gawky young rose-breasted grosbeaks and fluttery immature orioles entertain us every night as we have dinner on the deck. TV cannot compete. Uh, Jerry Katzenmeyer of Albert Lee, Henslow Sparrows. Jerry works at Myrie Big Island State Park, and there's Henslow Sparrows there now. Uh, Tom Wensler of Albert Lee saw Sandhill Cranes. Scott Milhouse of Albert Lee said he's moved to town, and he can't believe how many crows there are in town. Well, there's a lot of things going for crows in town, but right now one of the main things would be food. Uh, Craig and Carla Schumacher of Albert Lee, seeing a lot of green herons. Dan Kelly said he had been hearing a song. It's a bird song, but it sounds sort of like someone playing a penny whistle. Hmm. And I sent Dan a recording of an eastern wood peewee, and he said that was it. Huh. Uh, Tom Jones of Albert Lee, a bald eagle in that city right on the road. Uh, Judy and Jim Quartz of Albert Lee, screaming owls at night, and they were wondering what they were, and I did a really poor sound with my own voice, and 
they determined they were young great horned owls. Uh, Dave and Dawn Clausen of Glenville, Sandhill Cranes, uh, Sandra Norby of Heartland, said she saw triplet fawns and was wondering, uh, have I seen them? And I've seen them. Yeah, several pair or several triplets at least this uh, summer. Uh, triplets can be a sign of a very healthy deer population, and somebody twins are the norm in most population. But as uh, one of the deer hunting groups, the Minnesota Deer Hunting Association, gave me a pamphlet that said as many as 15 to 20 percent of does will bear triplets when deer numbers are in balance with high-quality habitat. So, um, Carolyn Smith of Albert Lease asked, when do bald eagles get white heads? When they're four or five years old, Carolyn, and the breeding age is about the same. Rick Mammel of Albert Lee had 50 purple martins nesting this year, down from 70 in last year. Terry Dorsey of Austin said his purple martins have fledged and the adults have left. Uh, Chad Hines of Mankato said the Hakama brothers and the Hakama brothers are up. They're all live over Spring Valley in Rochester. Chris and John, and they are uh, birding fools. He said they wandered west and graciously included Chad in the pursuit of buff-breasted sandpipers in the Minnesota River Valley. They didn't find any in a Blue Earth County at a sod farm east of Mapleton, where they often find them. But they did find mixtures of upland and buff-breasted sandpipers in Nicollet and Renville counties. They also found a western kingbird on a telephone wire, a male blue grosbeak. They, uh, let's see, both yellow-legged, pectoral, least-spotted birds and buff-breasted sandpipers, short-billed dowagers, redneck fellerope, semi-palmated plovers, and killdeer. I think that's the ones they saw. So they, oh, and great egrets, they said uh, great blue herons and great egrets were numerous. They ended up with a total of 96 species for the day. In Blue Earth County, they found an adult red-headed woodpecker feeding young along the east side of Perch Lake. A black-billed cuckoo and a sora, a Virginia rail, and a trumpeter swan east of Buford. And on August 8th, Chad said he had a teaser of the fall migration. A flock of nearly 100 Franklin's gulls were in and around Mankato fly-catching. Franklin gulls are, they're smaller than the ring-billed gulls that we normally see around here and uh, have black heads when they're in breeding plumage. Uh, West Tennis of Hayward said a bald eagle flew over during a trapeze act at the county fair, and he found himself watching the bald eagle instead of the <laughs> trapeze act. Uh, Bill Howe of Albert Lee, a pileated woodpecker. Janet Eastfold of Heartland saw a crane fly. And folks, a lot of you have seen crane flies. They look like giant mosquitoes, but not much to worry about. Uh, Pam Pleiss of Albert Lee, a barred owl, Lynn Wasmone of Emmons, Sandhill Cranes, lots of great blue herons, and showed me a photo of a snowy owl that he'd seen last winter. Uh, Jarrett Prohoda. Jarrett, I believe, is going to be a seventh grader. And he brought in at the fair for me a giant water bug, which is just mm-hmm. this cool thing. Giant. Giant is, he's underlined and circle that. Uh, Brian and Deb Blowers of Albert Lee, many green herons, great blue heron, ate a gopher on their lawn. 
and a cooper's hawk mm-hmm. ate a bird that had flown into the window of their house. Uh, Jody Swenson of Oatana sent uh, her her aunt, who happens to be my wife, pictures of Japanese beetles on roses. And Karen, I know you're a gardener. Nobody likes to hear about Japanese beetles being anywhere. I have Japanese beetle on my my uh, hibiscus now too, so I have them in my yard and. And they've been making holes, and it kind of makes me sad because the flowers are so beautiful, and those darn things, are, they're hard to get rid of. I just basically pick them off and squish them, unless you have some better thoughts to uh, remove them. That's what Jody does, and I think the best way is just to get a little bucket and put a little soapy water in there and just pick them off. It's a laborious task, but I hope their numbers will peak and then uh, decline because sometimes you'll find leaves on a plant, and they'll be skeletized. Uh, they'll just eat yes. everything in there. I think they've found them, Karen, in over 300 plants now. And the beetle will eat the uh, the plant, but the larva of this beetle will screw up the roots. So it's just it's a bad thing all the way around. Yeah, and that must be the time uh, of year they're supposed to come out because I was thinking I was kind of bright, you know, missing the bullet as it went past, thinking, oh, I missed. There's no Japanese beetles this year, so this must be the time for some reason that they come out. It is. It's uh, the time of the year when the beetles hatch, so oh, we get them right. around now. Okay. Uh, Irvin and Iva Hill of Albert Lee said they had mallards just hatched out, and they had to help them. They live in a residential area, so Iva said she had to help them go out and help one. The little ones couldn't make it up the curb, and uh, they're heading for water. And you know, A mallard hen lays one egg a day and maybe up to 13 in the nest often near where she was hatched, and she incubates the eggs an average of 28 days, and then she, within 24 hours, probably even sooner than that, she leads them to water, and then she stays with them till they're able to fly, and that's at a couple months of age. And hens will re-nest up to four times if a nest is destroyed, but she lays fewer eggs each time due to energy depletion, because mallards typically nest once a year. One of the questions I got at the fair, and maybe the most common question this year, had nothing to do with birds or anything. It was uh, people would come in and say, do I have oak wilt? And I said, well, not unless you're a tree. You should be okay. <laughs> but I understand tree oaks are my favorite tree, and oak wilt is caused by a fungus. And it's probably most severe in the various species of red oaks. But the wilting starts at the tree's crown. And the leaves turn uh, bronze to reddish-brown in color. And then they're quickly cast to the ground. And some of the green leaves will get sort of a water-soaked appearance. And wilting and leaf loss can occur in as little as four weeks in branch infections or shortly after spring leaf out following a root infection. Uh, Affected branches of bur oaks, which is my favorite tree are scattered through the crown with tree death occurring years after symptoms first develop. Uh, but, you know, you want to get a trained uh, tree care professional in there because bur oak blight and injury caused by bores can be confused with oak wilt, and thracnose will mimic symptoms of oak wilt, but that usually occurs in the lower branches. Oak wilt spreads below ground via connected roots or above ground by insects. And sap beetles are the primary insect transmitters. And everybody sees them, little garbage bugs. They have all different kinds of names. And they are attracted to trees with fresh wood-penetrating wounds. So 
you need to cut the root connections between disease and healthy oaks. That's the best method to prevent expansion. And then wilting red oaks should be felled and eliminated. You shouldn't move firewood firewood from wilted oaks. Uh, there's uh, systemic injections that are available by qualified arborists. Uh, it's just uh, we love our oak trees. It takes so long for them to get to that size. Uh, the last things I have here are just some things that are going on in uh, the area. An interesting thing that I learned while attending a, a conference was that the ringneck duck is Minnesota's fourth most common nesting duck. It's fine, as we, we might figure, the mallard's number one, blue-winged teal, then wood tuck, and then ringneck. And we don't see hens with ducklings down here much. A few do nest south of the Minnesota River. But it's uh, there. Most of them are in uh, small wooded lakes in the northern part of the state. But look for uh, great egrets, great blue herons, bitterns, swallows, and purple martins are beginning to flock. Uh, sandhill cranes are gathering. Uh, turkey flocks will be moving. A lot of the poults are the size of chickens or bigger. Uh, fawns are moving around. They're still unaware of any rules of the road. Uh, prairie flowers and wetland flowers are, boy, goldenrod, bergamot, blazing star, swamp milkweed, mountain mint. Uh, young eagles are out of the nest and working on any kinks they might have in their flying ability. Bumblebee watching is at its peak right now, so watch for bumblebees pollinating bee balm, culver's root, and other native species and gardens plants. We also see sphinx moths. They have long proboscis, and they often resemble a hummingbird. The most common species that we have here is the white-lined sphinx moth. It's a large, stout-bodied moth with a furry brown body, body crossed by six white stripes. And lastly, Karen, I have two wonderful neighbors. They're both named Bruce, who live across the road from each other. And whenever I pass their driveway, thoughts occur to me, such as I drove by a convenience store offering gas for $2.43 a gallon. And I needed gas. I decided, now I'll just stop at the next gas station. So I drove a few miles and found one that charged $2.47 per gallon. Cool. How far do you drive back to save four cents a gallon? I had to ask myself, do you feel like driving back? <laughs> well, do you, punk? I didn't drive back, but I stayed in a nice hotel, and the only fly in the ointment was a car alarm that went off for most of the night. It was a victim of the world's slowest car thief. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I know there was a ton of reports here, and I'm sure I missed some, but we'll uh, we'll get you sooner or later. And um, Karen, thanks for putting up with me forever and a day. And I'm glad you uh, you did so well at the fair. I knew you would. Hey, I got. I do have one question that I wanted to ask about birds for you. This morning, when I was getting in my car to come to work, there was a flock of all white, pure white birds, and and they were f- smaller, and they were flapping their wings so fast, you know fast almost like a hummingbird but they were really small all white and i was trying to figure out what they could be they weren't seagulls but i had no clue what they might be um there are some that are pretty white uh, like uh, franklin's gulls would be pretty white they'll have a little color on the head but they'd be much smaller than the gulls we typically have here and then there are turns that come through and they'd have maybe a little dark on the top of the head but it's hard to see from any distance and they'd be smaller yet 
and they are uh, beautiful. They fly like I would imagine Tinkerbell would fly, a little fairy-type flying. So what did and, you say uh, they were? These, they, what do you think? Uh, turns. So they they could have been, because they, they did have that really fast little flutter going on. Yeah, they, uh, I, I don't know how, to, you know, everybody that grew up watching and uh, learning about fairies and all the things they were up to, that's how I picture a fairy would fly. And again, <laughs> these guys are around water, and they are uh, feeding on water, but they're beautiful. As far as that, man, all white birds. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of snow buntings and things in the winter that show a lot of white, but we're pretty limited on uh, white birds anywhere other than on uh, on the water. Well, I was just wondering because I hadn't ever seen them before, a little flock of them, maybe about 20 or 30 of them fluttering over my home. So Over your house. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, well, anyway, all that's that all. sounds like yep. gulls then, maybe Franklin's gulls. They were little. I'll have to... to Google Franklin's Gulls and see if they look like that. But I want to thank you for chatting with us, and maybe we'll be seeing you at the fair one of these days soon. I hope so, Karen. Thank you for your good company, and man, thanks everybody for listening to KMSU. Thanks, Al. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.